This is a Broad Pods production. This is Pause Beyond the Court. Playing a team sport when you're a young woman creates friendships, community, and fitness, along with delivering a few challenges too. Joe White, a mum and qualified social worker, has gathered those in the know from teens to experts to Olympic champs and beyond to make navigating those challenges much easier with a bonus mindful moment in each episode. Hi, I'm Joe, and next up we talk to Alison Cookie Tranquilli, a two-time basketball Olympian and head coach of female basketball at a college. We wanted to get some advice on how to take a loss and reframe failure. How do you think parents, coaches and clubs can encourage girls to keep playing sport? Losing like a grand final or just any game in general isn't like the end of the world. How important is it to be able to play with friends? It kind of depends because normally when people first start playing basketball, they prefer being with their friends because they feel a bit more comfortable having someone they know in their team. But then I guess after that, you could still play with your friends or you could like decide that you want to kind of go to a higher level. Um, for me, I feel like it doesn't really matter because you make so many new friends along the way. And just for my basketball team this like, year, I've made like so many new friends. I feel like it doesn't really matter because you'll make friends and... I feel like through basketball meeting people, you also have more friends outside of school and things. It's well known that girls often drop out of sport around their teenage years. What do you think would make it more fun and interesting for girls and make them want to stay? Um, Well, there's no way you can really make the sport, but maybe just encourage them. And like, if you're their friends or their team, just encourage them saying that, trust me, it'll be better. Like. Once you're older, you won't regret dropping out because then you'll have more opportunities in life, like you might be able to become a basketball star or something. If you really don't want to do it, like if you don't want to do basketball, then you could find another sport that you want. And like, I guess you could encourage them because it helps you stay fit and that stuff. What does it feel like when you lose a game? Um, It's disappointing, but like you can't win every game. And I guess you could just take back from that game like and try and do better based off I guess why you lost um I think like the same thing like just don't like beat yourself up for it like it's not that bad like winning if you win if you win every game it won't be that fine you won't like you won't get enjoyment out of it so losing is kind of is like not that bad losing also makes room for improvement and you can look back on what you did in that game that you lost and what you can improve as a team and individually. So Alison, thank you so much for joining us today. You're a retired basketball player, two-time Olympian and head coach of female basketball at a college. Thanks for having me. Thank you for coming. I'm wondering where did your interest in basketball start? I actually grew up in the country and um, out a little country town outside of Ballarat. So I was going to be involved with horses and so forth, and that was my first love. But I remember, I think I was about 10 or 11, and mum asked if I wanted to go to basketball training, and I said yes. And, um, yeah, from then on I, I just really enjoyed it. I didn't 
I played a whole range of different sports and I would and I kept making teams and state teams and so forth and thinking, oh, this is okay. But I would say when I went to the AIS at 17 and I had two overseas trips and, you know, we're at school but we're also playing basketball every day and training and improving and that's where I thought, oh, wow, this is a, this is a pretty cool opportunity. And, and I must admit, usually whatever I do, I, I put my best foot forward and I give it my best and so forth. So maybe that was instilled a little bit as well. It wasn't definitely wasn't on the radar to um, become a professional basketball player for sure. Yeah. What an amazing achievement though, mm. to start, as you say, at those sort of really grassroots level level in the mm. country and exploring yeah. lots of different sports and then really excelling and doing really well in basketball. So. Yeah. Well, I think when you're presented with opportunities, then that's part of the the deal if you can really grasp it and give it your best shot no matter what it is things can turn out wonderfully I suppose yeah Yeah. what would you say would be probably one of your greatest learning experiences in basketball I think just as my personal development um I was a really shy kid really shy and um you know, grew up in the country and and doing my own little things. Just at 17, being invited to the the Opals squad and, and, and training camp and so forth, and just being around those elite women and role models. And I was quite good at observing and like, oh, that's what we do. Oh, Michelle Timms is our superstar player and she's doing, she's diving on the floor or she's playing with a certain level of desperation and expectation and and being vocal and and so forth. And I think I was quite observant and really realised that if I wanted to be good at this, it wasn't just about being athletic and having skill, there was other attributes that you needed to contribute to the team, but also to make yourself better. And And it's still not overly natural to me. Obviously, I'm much older and wiser now, and I can reflect on those things. But I knew at the time uh, what was required if I was going to get better. So it's really made you, it really made you come out of your shell and build that confidence. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Be a little bit more braver and, and so forth. Yeah. yeah. Courage is a big thing, isn't it? It is. And and in life, of course, but also, and, and my, I coach this at, at school with the young girls as well. I find that I tend to overcoach them a little bit positively and about being brave, about trying. There is no failure here which we're at training. Of yep. course there isn't any yep. failure. And and I want to see the ball hit your foot and roll out of bounds. It tells me that you're trying to go here to get better and so forth. So it's about having that encouragement, but also I think it's important that you have people around you to support you, that it's okay that, you know, you failed, especially as young, young mm. women growing up. And I guess you really need a safe, supported environment to be mm. able to do that. Absolutely. And failure is probably not the right word, to be honest, because it's basketball and we're not failing. We're at training, but we're exploring. And I think that's the important thing to explore, to see what works, what doesn't work, how I can get better and so forth. What was one of the biggest challenges you experienced as a player? You know, I'd been in the um, the national program and team for eight to 10 years. I'd been to an Olympics, two World Cups, and um, I missed out on the 2000 Olympics. I gave it everything. And, you know, it just didn't work out or the coach felt differently and so forth. And um, I was like, oh, what what am I going to do now? So the coaches select all the teams and they're deciding if you make the team or you don't. So you feel that the power is taken away a little Mm. bit. You can only control what you can control. And so after that, I decided, right, I'm going to decide what I'm going to do now. And pretty quickly, I then decided to go and play professional basketball in Europe. 
and I did that for four years. But in the interim, in that two-year period, I um, was back in the next World Cup team I made and the next Olympic team I made as well. So, And sometimes these um, situations can be a blessing in disguise. You, There's further growth um, yeah, that can definitely. come from that in making different decisions. And I think, as you said, mm-hmm. what can you control mm-hmm. and how do you move forward is really key. And you, you can do that. Yeah. And I think too, one of the keys was I could do that pretty quickly. I, I wasn't a young teenage girl and yep. I was a mature woman and we were married and, you know, we both, my husband and I went up overseas. It was a great adventure for us as well. So yeah, I could make those decisions then. It was a little easier. What did you enjoy most about being on the court? I love the competitiveness of Mm. it because, and this is something I think I've mentioned previously that I needed to learn was to be more assertive uh, vocally, body language uh, with the ball, which I was quite assertive anyway, because I backed uh, my skill set and I did a lot of training to be okay at that. But when I stepped across the line, you're playing against America and you're playing against mm-hmm. – you're in Brazil playing Brazil and they're abusing you in the crowd and all this sort of stuff. So there's a lot going on. There's a lot of strong, assertive um, women as well and you sort of have to embody – not someone else, but you have to find traits that you need to be able to compete at that level. And then off the court, I would just be cookie. I'd just yeah. be me, you know, <laughs> nice cookie apparently. But anyway. <laughs> that being said, mm-hmm. I guess how with all of that competition and having to sort of change or develop or show a different side to yourself, mm-hmm. how did you actually look after your own mental health and wellbeing? I think back then we didn't really talk about mental health or all those kind of things, but I'm a, quite a laid back person as it is. And I don't get overly worked up or involved in basketball. Mm-hmm. I have other interests. And when I leave the court and leave the gym, I don't really, maybe the coaches won't want to hear this, but I don't really go and watch basketball and so forth. So it sounds like you had a really nice balance, which is important because basketball is part of life, but basketball is not life as a whole, I guess. It can be for people. Um, For some it can be, absolutely. mm. And I don't know that I had tricks to help with that side of it. I think that's a little bit how I am as well. And maybe the way that that I grew up in the country and I wanted to do other things and I kind of fell into basketball. But in our national team, we had some, you know, like-minded, some of my friends were like that as well. So (laughs) just the way it was. Absolutely. And and you'll find um, it's really interesting basketball teams or sporting teams because it's a group of individuals and are all quite different. And then there's some common traits as well. But it's interesting how then that those people can come together and try and uh, succeed to that one common goal. Mm. In your career, how did you personally cope with a loss? How did I cope with a loss? Well, it's the, we'll beat them next time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's a good question. Well, I always was looking forward to the next training session. Mm. If I had a poor game, I'm like, I can work myself out of this. Mm. And I'll work myself to be better, to prepare better for the next game. Mm-hmm. But in sport, there always is another game. You can win next time. And the other thing too is that you can have a great game and lose. You can also have a poor game and win. Mm. So it is, you've got to be mindful that it is the collective mm-hmm. and not just your own individual performance. But I think if, if I 
trained and left everything out on the training track, as they say, throughout the week. And then I performed and we didn't win or I didn't perform to the expectations. I still was a little bit okay because I'd done everything that I'd um, needed to do. If I'd taken shortcuts, then that's a different scenario. The amount of training that you do, the mental side of the game, how you gel with your teammates, all goes into closing that gap with your consistency. You can still have a poor game, but you actually can be still really, still really helpful to your team yeah. and contribute. Yeah. Mm. And there's always those learning moments, aren't there, of what you could do differently or what oh, you definitely. Affirmed, you know, what you did well. Yes. Yeah. And and don't make the same mistakes again. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Simple. <laughs> well, try not to anyway. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what does the winning mindset mean to you? I think there's sort of two parts to that because as a professional athlete, at the end of the day, that's the ball game right there. Mm-hmm. We're there to win. And we were there to win the, the gold medal. And we never won the gold medal. We won a silver and a bronze. So we were there to beat the USA. But coaching young women and girls is more about learning. I think it's about growth, development on the court, skill-wise, but also as people, because it can transfer into life really well as well, because there's a lot of setbacks along the way. What is your opinion on that with community sport? What's the main focus do you see? Well, firstly, they're developing and you have to explore skill set, team-wise, all those kind of things to get better. So you need to make mistakes. And and sometimes I think coaches, adults can overcomplicate the game uh, because they're not the end product. Mm-hmm. They're learning. But, you know, I mean, some kids or students, whatever it might be, they are winners and they they want to win and they're out of the box and all those kind of things. And and that's okay as well. But it's how you temper it because, again, they are in a team situation. It's Mm. not all about them. Working together Mm -hmm. um, is really important. And as you say, those transferable life skills that you get through sport as well into other settings in life. What are your thoughts on the impact that competition can have on young players? I think it's a good thing, competition. There's lots of lessons that you can that can come out of playing in competitions. I noticed too we take our students to competition days, mm-hmm. Basketball Victoria run them. As the days go on, so you might play four games in a day, which is pretty tough. Mm. So how do you stay in that moment? How do you every possession, every moment, how do you that that's kind of elite level sort of stuff, but how do we teach them to be present and be involved and be a good teammate and when fatigue sets in our skills actually go down a little bit. We get a little grumpy. How, how are we still a good teammate? All those kind of things. And then you come away from the day and you've given it everything. You've lost every game and like all those kind of things. It's, it's a tough gig yeah. being a kid these days, I think. But yeah. um, you will. the sun's coming up tomorrow and you'll bounce back and it will be okay. Yeah. And time is a good thing as well. I think a little bit of gap in time and let them decompress and then you can redirect or whatever it is mm. into some some positive uh, learnings from the day. And hopefully they've enjoyed an aspect of that sort of tournament or that competition and can reflect on that and think that they've actually had some fun in the process, even though winning hasn't been the final outcome. I guess it's also about those connections made and, and as you say, that team spirit and working together. A hundred percent. And I often mention that as well. And you're representing your school or your, your club or your team, 
And there's a lot of learnings that come out of it and who you're representing and yourself and so forth and that you had fun. You may have met a new person, someone on the opposition. You just don't know. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, very true. So in the community setting, I guess in that community level, there can be a lot of pressure, can't there, for kids in just getting onto the court in the first place. Mm -hmm. And then the expectations of parents, Mm -hmm. family, coaches. Okay. What suggestions would you have to best enhance their performance and keep them consistent considering that environment? There's a lot of different elements that can uh, make children or students feel under pressure. It's very difficult to enhance performance if they're under pressure and mentally not quite there because you're using all this energy in all these different areas. And I haven't seen it to be very successful uh, to go out and then perform really well. I've seen fatigue uh, physically and mentally really affect performance. So all as I know is that if the fatigue's not there, if the mental strain's not there, then they're in their element or they're in a position to be able to perform better. But I don't know that the two work. Mm -hmm. Maybe as you become older, you can put it in its compartment and so forth, but I'm not certain that teenagers are able to do that. And maybe there's different degrees to it that they can handle and so forth. It's really, really challenging and we've we've seen it actually. The mm-hmm. cognitive um, performance is not there when there's a lot of mental stress from outside noise noises or fatigue with their body and so forth. Yeah, it's very challenging. Maybe you take a break. Yeah, and I guess that's important, isn't it, to have that permission to actually mm. take a break, whatever that break may look like. I sent one of our students, her parents were there, but sent her home. Um, she'd had a big weekend and not as in basketball-wise, she's nearly in that professional kind of area and she just was like heavy and looked just not with us and so forth. She played the first game and then I said, go and, go mm-hmm. and take a break and be a young young girl for a few days and then come back. And I think that that's, it's okay to stop sometimes as yeah. well and be a kid mm-hmm. for a few days and then come back to it. I do think her having that permission to do that probably made a very big difference for her. You know, sometimes people just push through. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, And there's times for that mm. to have a bit of resilience and push through, but you can actually see the how vacant their brain is beca- and things are just not working properly. Yep. It's, uh, it's quite Overload. obvious to me, yes. I'm thinking what is needed for players to develop from sort of that community domestic level through to championship and beyond? Well, they need to do the extra, yeah. In the whole range of areas, Mm -hmm. it's on how they're fueling their bodies, how they're resting their bodies, the intensity that they're training at. It's quite interesting, I think, that they're doing so much. Oh, I'm doing so much, but you're not really getting any better. So you're doing so much at 60% Mm -hmm. or cut it in half and each session you do it at game like. You do it at 95, 100% because that's how you play your sport. Mm -hmm. And if you want to get better, then then that's required. For me, that's a really interesting thing is that because you're doing a lot doesn't mean you're working hard. Working hard is physically working hard and cut it in half. So I think that's an element there. We can be more efficient mm-hmm. and look around the quality of what you're doing. And then if the trainings, the amount of trainings that you're doing, uh, if you need to go and do extra shooting – source out a coach or a parent to come and rebound. It's about doing the the extra reps, especially in basketball. And then again, yeah, fueling, sleep, resting your body. I know that was sort of groundhog day for me, Mm -hmm. but I would train in the morning, come home, have some lunch, rest, (laughs) 
in preparation for my next training because yeah. that was the next most important thing and I didn't I didn't like wasting my time and then I'd come home have dinner and prepare for the next day yeah. <laughs> so yeah it is important You're preparing for that session so you get the most out of it but you do if you want to go to the next level you have to do the extra can or does fun sit at the elite level or does it just belong in the community setting I think fun you can reframe it a little bit like mm-hmm. fun is winning mm. as well yeah. Yeah. And at the community level, like my young children get a, a lot out of their sport. They're meeting new people. Mm. They're exercising. Uh, they're learning being within a team and all that. They're winning sometimes. They're losing. Okay. That's, they don't, we don't say that's not fun, but there's a lot of learnings that come out of that and that's fine. But there's no doubt for me going to training with my teammates, it's fun before and then we train hard and then we're joking around after. We get to go on tours. On reflection at the time, it was more like, it was great, but I didn't realise how great it was. Mm-hmm. And um, on reflection, a lot of fun times that the people that you meet, the places that you go, and then, of course, being successful. And um, we didn't always win. We won a lot. But it was still, yeah, it's still fun. It would it would make my heart sing is more so. You yeah. know, I feel up and about. Joy. I'm, joy. Yeah. Joy is the word. <laughs> yeah. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> and when you lose, you just flick it over there yeah. and just remember the joy. There's a lot. Well, it's interesting. I'm wondering, as you sort of reflect back now on all of that, are they some of those key moments that you do actually remember is the travelling together, the connection with your teammates, families, as you said, the people you meet? You know, with tournaments, you know, sometimes you've got a busload of kids travelling together. You might stay at a location and... You know, I think sometimes they're the things that kids really look forward to and they're the conversations that they'll share with each other. You know, they might not necessarily look back on a tournament and say, oh, look, we didn't do well or we we lost. Mm -hmm. It's just, wasn't it so fun when we did this or we did that? You know, those extra sort of curricular things outside of the on-court action. Absolutely, 100%. And there's some tournaments that we played, World Cup, even the Olympics, and I cannot remember... Like it's quite intense, mm. but I do remember the other things of the connections and being in this country and what we were doing and you know all those kind of things and yeah again that that fills your heart with joy that sort of stuff no doubt about it and the whole Olympic experience far greater than just the basketball tournament. So given you are a head coach teaching at a college, how do you work with your players when they experience a loss? Well. Look, I think because I coach them every day, I get to know them quite well and they all react differently. So whether I need to console or leave them alone for a little bit and then move on. But I I do think for the most part, it's okay to acknowledge that we've lost the game and that they are really, really disappointed because that's how they feel. Mm. So it's okay to acknowledge that and then I guess give let them have some time and then I might chat to them after that. But, yeah, just to hear them and acknowledge how they're feeling and it was really disappointing but we've got another game and how are we going to move on? Yeah, I think that's really important because it's about them feeling heard. Sure. And, as you say, just acknowledging and validating that experience for them and how they're feeling about it Mm -hmm. and then creating that space and then working out how do you best move forward. Exactly. And you can use it as a positive because – we do have another game. Yeah. Yeah. And we might over. win this game. Yeah, it's not over. <laughs> not always easy, but yeah. <laughs> that's what I try anyway. Yeah. <laughs> what have you found works best when working with young female players? 
that I need to be really positive, really positive, constructive criticism if you're going to criticise, get to know them. I think that's really important. I'll always I'll come out and I will ask how their weekend was. I think it can be white noise if you yeah. are constantly berating or yelling and, and those kind of things, but being really specific and direct. Yeah. Mm. And I guess you just touched on there, I'm thinking what doesn't actually work, what is not particularly helpful? Yeah, I think that they hear how we say it, the message, instead of just actually the message. And mm. I've had to speak to some of the girls about how you cut through a little bit how it was said and, and what the coach is trying to say. And generally coaches want you to respond. They won't, don't want you to then go and cry at the end of the bench. They yeah. want you to like, oh, go and respond and, and because they believe you can do it as well. And I think belief is a mm. big thing for anyone, of course, but more so for, for young girls as well. Yeah. Believing, I believe you can do it. Yeah. And I want you to try and it's okay if it doesn't work out. Yeah. Yep. I guess that really empowering environment can make all the difference, can't it? Just the, your belief in them, them mm. developing and learning that belief in themselves as well. Definitely. Otherwise they won't try because they don't want to be a show-off and um, they don't want the other girls to then talk about them because they're showing off and they're too good, all this sort of stuff. So mm. um, there's some certain standards that we have because we have some talented players as well and they're not so talented players and it's about just giving your best. And then also the talented or more experienced players, um, not acknowledging it, but just realising that, you know, we're all in it together and they're giving their best effort, whatever mm. that is. Mm. Yeah. And to be supportive of that. I've read that accepting a loss develops over time as children learn to self-regulate disappointment and the errors that they make in their prediction. Mm -hmm. I've heard to it referred as frustration tolerance. What are your thoughts about that? That's probably right. Yeah. I don't really know the science. It's quite interesting. My daughter won yesterday her football game and she was a bit upset about how she played. And it's like, oh, here we go. So I just comforted her and um, just listened a little bit. And then after a while I said, oh, well, let's, you know, just more controllables of what maybe you could have mm. done. But I would suggest that's probably right. And again, it, that word exploration and exploring like you have to learn or you have to explore and have losses so that you can learn from it mm. if you don't experience these things then you you can't live it and you can't learn it and you can't make better judgments and so forth but if that's the science I'll go with it <laughs> I think it's interesting you also touched on the fact that your daughter had a win. Mm. And do you have any tips for players to help them manage their emotions? Anything else that you would suggest in sort I, of managing that? I mean, we know that kids anyway, um, when they're young, often co-regulate with another person, whether that be a parent or yeah. someone else that's supporting them. Yeah. Um, do you have any other tips that I might think, be helpful? I don't know that I have any other tips because I think that – they look to role models. Now, whether that's a care, a parent or a coach, yep. but yeah, I just think it's it's really strong parental carers, role models and being realistic about where things are and, and that it is it is a community sport mm -hmm. and there's a bigger picture than just this moment in time and, and your individual performance. Mm. So how can parents best support and prepare their children to deal with a loss? Oh, don't lose. No. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you've heard it. <laughs> Get it over the line every time. <laughs> oh, look, I, I, um, I don't – when they, they lose and they're – I don't say anything, to be honest. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That's the main thing. Well, 
I mean, everyone can do whatever they want, of course, but I, I don't give it a lot of oxygen. Yeah. I don't give it a lot of airtime at all. A few hours have passed or – and I wouldn't do it with my daughter so much, but my son who's 14 and I'm like, oh, do you want to talk about the game? Oh, or can I say something? I always ask him. I don't just say it. Yep. And he'll say yes. So now he's a little bit older and he will come, oh, what do you think of my game? And I said, oh, do you want my honest opinion? He's like, yeah, they won, of course. And he had a poor first half, but I started with the positive second half and then went, and I was really honest and realistic and gave him a, I said, do you want me to give you a rating? <laughs> he's like, yeah. I'm like, okay. So I rated both and he was pretty happy with the feedback, but he is open to it yep. and he's capable of taking it. And I wasn't harsh at all, but I felt I was fairly honest, but very much positive. Whereas I wouldn't do that with my youngest daughter at this stage. And, and she wouldn't ask because she doesn't want to hear my feedback. So yeah, I just move on and we get in the car and we go and do something else and get on with our day. And if she's still upset when we get home, I might give her a cuddle and sort of validate that it was disappointing and then yeah. redirect it that, you know, we've got training or we've got something else to look forward to for the rest of the day. We can work on it at training. There's a game next week, those kind of things. Yeah. Mm. So I guess knowing your child well Absolutely, is yes. helpful. Yes. And really being mindful and respectful of where they're at mm-hmm. and working with that. And uh, the big one for me is blame, not to lay blame with the opposition, other coaches, other teammates, those kind of things. I think that's getting that gets really dangerous and yes. can set a precedent for, you know, really not helping in, in how you deal with a loss and that resilience and so forth. So I avo- avoid all of that kind of talk. I'm wondering mm-hmm. what you think are some of the best ways to deal with conflict within a team, especially if there's conflict between parents or if there's conflict between mm. players or the coach. Yeah. I avoid all conflict. <laughs> <laughs> I just leave it very superficial because I'm the coach and um, I'm running the show and the team manager's in charge of that. And then if they've got any other specific complaints and so forth, then okay, we'll take it to the next level. Within the team, uh, with boys, girls, whatever it might be, that that's okay off the court. People can be who they uh, want to be. But when we step across the line or at training and so forth, you've got to find a way to be a good teammate and it just has to be or else don't be in the team. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so you can help them with that and we've had discussions with some of the kids at school and so forth and I think we we can really assist with that because sometimes they actually don't know. They just think they're so into themselves and they are so much better Mm. and they're not complementary to their teammate who may be not quite as good or whatever and but that's just the way it is. Alison, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, really valuable information and I'm sure our listeners will get a lot out of it. Great. Thank you for having me. Pleasure. One White Minute. Feeling stressed can be part of our everyday life, but that doesn't mean it should be. There is something you can do right now to create calm and it takes less than 60 seconds. I'm Joe White and this is One White Minute. Breathe in through your nose to the count of four. Focus on breathing in slowly with control. Hold for the count of four. Breathe out for the count of four. A big deep breath through the tummy as opposed to your chest. Now hold for four. 
Repeat the exercise two or three times, specifically when you need to create a sense of calm. You are right now calming your central nervous system. Enjoy. Pause beyond the court. 